Welcome to the audio podcast of Pastor Jerry Loudermilk. We're glad you stopped by today. Be blessed as you receive from God's Word. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. Praise you, Lord. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. He who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your help in bringing forth the word that I believe you've prepared for me to speak today. And God, begin the series that I believe you want us to, to, to hear in this season. And God, I pray that our hearts and our ears would be open to hear what you are saying to the churches. Let us not be deaf spiritually. Let us not be hard of hearing, weak Lord, in our, in our resolve, help us, Lord, to be ready to hear, anxious to know what you would speak to your church and to the churches. And help us, God, to take hold of the word that you're speaking to us and not say, that's for someone else, but help us to say, Lord, this is for me. And I'll receive it. And I want you to do a work in me. And we ask these things. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I want to back up. I don't want to read Revelation chapter 1. Brother Bill, I really appreciate that. You can go, but I don't want you to. (laughs) I'll let you go. I know that seat gets hard. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ. Who is this the revelation of? Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his bondservants. Told you what bondservants are. Bondservants are those who serve because they want to, not because they have to. How many of you are a bondservant of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads those, I'm sorry, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And heed the things which are written in it. For the time is near. 
I want to pause right there and say there is a blessing pronounced upon us this morning. A blessing pronounced for me reading it to you. And there's a blessing pronounced over you that you are listening to it. But there is even a greater blessing to those of us who will heed it. This is what the Word tells us. For the time is near. Verse 4 says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. I could shout right there. To him who released us from our sins by his blood. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm free. I'm free. Praise you, Lord. And he has made us a kingdom of priests. To his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Say this word with me. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. You know what? At any point in this message, if you want to take off shouting, you're not going to scare me. If you want to just praise Him at the top of your lungs, if you want to stand up and wave your hands, if you want to fall on your face, it's okay. That stuff happens in heaven too. And it's alright if we want to bless Him because He is coming in clouds with great glory. Hallelujah! Behold, He comes Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds. Shining like the sun At the trumpet call Lift your voice It's the year of jubilee And out of Zion's hill Salvation comes Thank you, Lord! Come on, let's just do it. There's no God like Jehovah There's no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God like our God. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet. 
Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. <laughs> Are y'all going to let me preach? You're going to make me shout. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the, he's the head. He's, he's the top. He's the pinnacle. He's the first. But He's also the last. He, he, has, he has humbled Himself to be the last. He doesn't deserve the position of last. But He's humbled Himself to be the last. He has chosen to exalt the church and to lift us up to be seated in heavenly places with Him. And He's still God. He's still the Alpha. But He's also chosen to be Omega. He's the first. And He's also the last. He's the one that spoke everything into creation, in, into being. John chapter 1, 1 tells us that. Chapter 1, chapter 1, down through, way down in the verse, the chapters, the verse. I can't even talk. Praise God. Chapter 1, verse 1, down through the chapter, it tells us who Jesus was and who He is. And Jesus says here in His Word that I am the first and the last. All of these newcomers, come on, I'm just going to take a minute. All of these newcomers, these false gods, these newcomers who, who the, the, the world is worshiping. Come on, when I'm talking about newcomers, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Baal. Way back, he was a newcomer. I'm talking about Asherah, but I'm also talking about Islam. I'm talking about Muhammad, that he was a prophet, they say. But I'm telling you that Allah is not God. Jehovah is God. Jesus is Lord. Allah's a newcomer. Allah's a newcomer. <laughs> I'm telling you that Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. When the whole world stops proclaiming the name of Allah, then Jesus' name will be proclaimed throughout eternity. We'll still be saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord God Most High. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm, I'm acting a little bit fanatical here. 
getting a little bit loud. You'll just have to overlook me. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost this morning. I want us to understand something. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. He has revealed it. He sent His angel to John to tell the churches something that he believed they really needed to know. I understand we're talking about the seven churches of Asia. I understand that. These were literal churches. They were spread throughout Asia. They were, they're named by the city that they lived in. And I understand that. But I see this when I read this. There are things that jump out to me that I see in the world today. I, let me say it more clearly. I see it in the church today. When I see what the Lord is saying to Ephesus, I see what He's saying to our church. When I see what the Lord is saying to Smyrna, I struggle with that one a little bit because they were a persecuted church and we've just been so blessed there's hardly any persecution. You might say, well, I'm persecuted because somebody laughed at me at work. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. When I see Pergamos, I see what the Lord is saying to the churches in Thyatira and right on. I I want us to understand that God spoke these things to seven churches in Asia, but they still ring true. And the revelation that He gave to that early church, He wants to give to us today. Amen? (laughs) Behold, He is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him and even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker, the tribulation and the kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet like the sound of a trumpet saying write in the book what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus Smyrna Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstand, I saw one likened to the Son of Man, clothed in a robe reaching to his feet, and gird across his chest with a gold sash. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire, but his feet were like burnished bronze. When it has been made to glow in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. We'll pause at verse 16 for just a minute. I want you to get a picture of Jesus. And I saw one standing in the middle of the seven golden lampstands. He was likened to the Son of Man. In other words, he looked human. He looked like a man. And he was clothed with a robe 
reaching to his feet and he was gird across his chest with a golden sash I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I haven't studied this well but he was clothed with a white robe I believe which means that he is righteous and he had a golden sash across his chest which is the proof of his victorious um, of his victory let me say it that way and it goes on to say that his head and his hair were white like wool like snow in other words we see the purity here his eyes were a flaming fire we see a picture of Jesus as the judge the one who would look into us and pierce through us with his eyes he is full of love but his eyes are burning like fire we could sing a song there I'll go on I could sing one there brother Bill could sing it he goes on to say And his feet, verse 15, were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in the furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Have you ever seen metal that's been put in a fire? And it looks, for a little while, it just just looks like metal and it begins to get hotter and hotter and finally that dark, even if it was rusty before, that darkness that was in it disappears and the metal itself begins to glow it's orange and and finally it becomes almost white this is what Jesus feet looked like feet in the in the bible very often represent humility they they represent our lowest place the place that we are most unholy if your mind is wrong your feet are going to go the wrong way and they represent humanity very often and we see here that even the, the, the feet here are glowing because of the holiness of God. Verse 16 says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. You can try your best to look at the sun shining in its strength, but you won't look very long. You'll either turn away or you'll be blinded. This was the face of Jesus. It's the way it was look, the way it looked. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. I was dead, but behold. In other words, but look, I was dead, but, but look, I'm alive. I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death, hell, and of the grave. Amen. Hallelujah. Therefore, verse 19, write these things which you have seen. And the things which are and the things which will take place after these. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw. Listen closely. This will tell us some things. In my right hand, the seven golden lampstands. And the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That's where verse or chapter 1 ends. Here at verse 20. And we go into verse 1 of chapter 2. 
And it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. Now, a few weeks ago, maybe uh, we started actually probably two months ago, and we had a series on Wednesday nights talking about angels. Angels are not to be worshipped. Angels are messengers. Angels serve the Most High God. We don't pray to angels. I don't believe we command angels. Some people believe that we do. But when Jesus said that he had 12 legions of angels, he said that I could ask my Father for. We talk to God. God takes care of where the angels need to be dispatched. But here, he's speaking to the messenger of these churches. Now, the word angel can mean a spiritual being, but it can also mean a natural messenger. It's used that way several times in scriptures, and you can see that. I personally believe that he's speaking of a pastor in the church of Ephesus, a pastor in the church of of Smyrna, a pastor in the church of, of Pergamos, a pastor in the church of Thyatira. If you believe differently, that's fine. But he's sending a message through John to the angel of the church of Ephesus. He would not have needed to send an angel with a message to John to send, have John send a message to another angel. He's sending this to a pastor. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 1, write, the one, I love that that has a capital O in my Bible, the one. There's only one. Amen? There's only one who is king of kings and lord of lords. Baal doesn't match up. Islam. Allah, he doesn't match up. Doesn't matter, as I said, any of these newcomers. We're talking about Jesus here. Amen? It says, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. We already read what those seven stars are. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So the Lord is saying, I hold the pastors in my hand. I hold the messengers in my hand. I hold those in my hand that I have sent to to bring messages to you. He holds me in his hand. I'm thrilled by that. But here's something to thrill you. It says he walks among the seven golden candlesticks. So God is walking through the church. He's walking among his people. You wonder, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know why in the world we get so excited. and Why we were all around the altar. and Why Brother Jeff was laying in the floor. And why I was dancing around like a crazy man. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the One who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, He's walking around in the midst of His people. He showed up today. He showed up today. showed up and I don't know about you but I get excited when Jesus shows up and if you think I'm a little bit too crazy you'll just have to overlook me and forgive me I love you anyway and I'll agree with you I'm a little crazy sometimes I told brother Herman and sister Val just the other day we were standing out here in the foyer about one day when I was working in Kentucky, I 
was out in the yard and I don't know if Tracy and the girls were even home actually not sure Lauren was even born yet it's been a long time my dad hadn't built the house next to us yet actually he was maybe in the process so Lauren would have been born my house was pretty far back off the road but you could still look back there and see it and I'm out working in the front yard and the Lord says I want you to dance for me and I thought I thought lots of things I'm not a dancer and if I was a dancer I wouldn't want to dance out here in the yard and then I thought I can't do this somebody's going to see me it was as though the Lord said who do you want to please you want to please the neighbor driving down the road you want to please your mom and dad that might see you you want to please your wife that could be looking out the window or do you want to please me he said Lord I don't know how to dance (laughs) I don't know how to dance there's people that do that not me he said I want you to dance here I am going to have to example it for you I just lifted my hands <laughs> I don't know how to dance he thought I was the best dancer that day that there was in the whole world <sighs> I don't know how to dance I don't know how to dance I don't care I don't need to know how to dance I don't know how to worship I love him I love him. He's worth it. I told you this morning, tell him in your life why he's worth it. What he's worth to you. He's worth it. If you'd have drove down that road that day, you'd have said, that man has gone crazy. Look back there. You'd have probably been right. Because I'm crazy about Jesus. The Lord says here, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden candlesticks, says this. Okay, this this tells us, listen up. He says this, I know your deeds. I know your toil. I know your perseverance. And that you cannot stand evil men. And you put to the test those that call themselves apostles and they are not. And you have found them false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Is that not all just marvelous? That's beautiful. He's talking to a church. To to the church at Ephesus. And he says, I know that you can't stand evil men. I know that you've been... You've been faithful to my name. I know that you persevered. And I know that you've had... When you're you're persevering, that means you're going through difficulty. You're, you're, You're having some hard times if you have to persevere. I know you've persevered. And I know... he He mentions perseverance twice here. I know that you have not grown weary. And that you've endured for my name's sake. When we say for my name's sake... We often think that we often just we, we, we smooth across it really quick and we're thinking because of the name of Jesus they've endured. I'm saying for the sake of his name they had endured difficulty. 
the Word of God says, Blessed we are we if we endure for His name's sake. Happy we should be. But I want you to know that when you're going through difficulty, it's not a time that you feel like you should be happy. We talked about this last week, going through the process. We want to get to the promise. We have the promise of God and we want to hurry and get there. But God takes us through the process. And in the process, there's often persecution. And there's a chance for perseverance. But if we hold on to the promise and we're faithful in the process, we'll finally reach that place that God has told us that we would reach. The place we would get to. And, and these, this church had been faithful to endure for Christ's name's sake. And they had not grown weary. I'm telling you, that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot. I, I want to show you how much that is. How many of you in here have grown weary in well-doing? Now, don't, don't lie. Lift your hand way up high if you've grown weary. I've grown weary. They had not grown weary. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. But then after he brags on them, after he tells them what he sees in them that's good, he tells them something that he sees in them that's not so good. And after he says that, you ever heard, if if you're at least in any form of management, you've probably heard to, uh, to give people, if you're correcting people, to give it to them sandwiched, sandwiched. I said sandwiched, didn't I? Sandwiched in praise that's somewhat kind of like what Jesus did here he said I know what you've been through and I know that you persevered and I know what you've endured for my name's sake nevertheless I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love Is that what he said? He said, I have this against you, for you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. The King James Version says, do your first works over, or else I am coming to you and I will remove the lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Brother Jeff saw a vision this morning of a lampstand that was overturned. It had been removed out of its place. But the angels have been dispatched to set it back up. I think that's powerful. I think that's powerful. I think that word was timely. I don't understand it, but I think it was timely. He said, and I will come and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. And then he goes back to that, the the praise of them again in verse 6. And he says, yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate and then he gives them instruction and when the Lord gives instruction then he also gives them a promise I want you to look at what verse 7 says it says he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches I want to ask you this morning do you have a spiritual ear to hear what God is saying to the churches do you really believe you have an ear to hear what God is saying to the churches let me see your hand if you do 
you don't know, maybe, maybe you're not sure if you can hear what God's saying, listen closely this morning. God wants you to hear what He's saying to His church, and I believe He wants to reveal it to you. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not only for the seven churches of Asia, but it's also for Abundant Life Tabernacle and for everybody who's watching by Facebook Live this morning. To him who overcomes... I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. To him or her who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they were put out of the garden and a a cherub with a flaming sword was placed at the entrance to the garden so they couldn't get back in because they had sinned and if they ate from the tree of life they would live forever. And the promise here is to those who overcome. I'm going to give you access to the tree of life. Access has been denied to the sons of Adam. But access has been granted to the sons of God through Jesus Christ. Go ahead and praise Him a minute. It's worth it. To Him who overcomes, I will grant access, basically is what He's saying, to the tree of life. How many of you believe that through Jesus Christ you have eternal life? Amen. Amen. That has been given. It's been granted. It's access has been granted. And he's saying that he will allow us to eat from the tree of life if we overcome. Now, I want to I break all this down and I want to talk to you for just a minute. And I, I'm not going to be very long. It's already 12 o'clock. If you have to leave before I get done, I understand. But I'll try to be done in the next 15 minutes or so. Because I'm going to pick back up here next week anyway. But if... If the Lord continues to move and to bless me in such a way that I can't stop at that time, I want you to know I'm going to go on. And if you have to slip out, just go ahead and slip out. I've got plans today, but I'd rather be in the presence of God. Today is my big baby over here's 22nd birthday. Lindsay's 22nd birthday. And we've got plans. And she knows I love her. And if I don't get to do what we have planned today she knows that God comes first and I don't think she minds it would be I agree but I want you to understand something before we leave here my wife and I and my daughters were talking this past week we had an evening where we were all at home and we were sitting around the actually I was in the pool we have a a round above ground pool with a really, really bad deck. And Tom, I look at Tom because he's going to repair that for me. I'm in the pool. I'm having one of those moments where my mind doesn't stop. You all might not know what that's like, but my mind doesn't stop. And they're sitting up on the, uh, on the patio, in the chairs, in the sun, in the shade, whatever. I don't know, but I'm in the pool. And I'm just, I'm just kind of standing there with my arms up on the side and I'm talking with them they're talking with me and I said I want to ask you a question at that point I think they were on the deck I said I want to ask you a question I don't know if I can say the 
the question exactly right, but I, I wrote it down. We talked about it on Wednesday night. The question that I asked was along these lines. What's missing from the church today that was a part of the early church that if lived out would completely change our culture? Or maybe it was worded a little more like this. I'm trying to tell you what we were talking about and I don't remember my exact words. But I said, where is the body of Christ in contemporary Christianity, especially in the West, failing to live out Jesus' commands that he referred to in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20? And how might we better be obedient to them? Now, that's not exactly what I said, but you get the gist of what we were talking about from those two questions. What's missing in the church today? How could we do better? I've talked to, the, to you about this for a couple years, how we might do better. We have a great church, but we can always improve. And there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen. And I begin to think about what's missing in the church. And I'm not downing the church. I love the church. But I love my Savior more. When I say I love the church, I'm saying I love you, my brothers and sisters. But I love God even more than I do you. And I know what Jesus wants out of his bride is that we be the church he's called us to be and that we are obedient to the commandments of Jesus Christ. And I think about it and I think, what's missing? What are we doing wrong? Why are we not accomplishing the purpose of God in the world? And why are we, why are we locked away in our four walls? And when opportunities are given for us to get outside our walls, why are we so hesitant? And we're talking about all these things. And I believe Lauren spoke up first and she said, there's so much timidity. We're so timid. In other words, we don't have boldness. Lindsay said, and I think I'm giving credit to the right ones, but Lindsay said, people don't really support each other like they should. You see, my girls, they're very aware. We don't talk about your things with them but they are very observant they've grown up in the house of the Lord and they're very observant and they, they see what you might not see and sometimes they see that somebody's going through a hard time and we're not bearing their burdens we're not lifting them up we sometimes miss those opportunities to support one another and I said do you realize what that is if we're not supporting our brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter that we're just so busy. If we're, if we're too busy, we're saying that's more important than them. That's a lack of love. Really, it's a lack of love. And we've got a great church, and I know you love one another. But I'm looking at this church, and I'm looking at the body of Christ, and I'm saying, what's missing? And I'm asking them to speak what's missing. And Tracy gives an answer, and we talk about a lot of things. We talked about this Wednesday night. There are lots of things that there are lots of things that are missing in the modern church that could be seen in the early church. One of them is power. You can't have the power of God resting on your life if you're walking around in carnality. We're walking in the flesh, being led by the flesh, not the Spirit. There's so many things, and I'm not going to get on all of them today. But as I began to think about this, I'm reminded of what God had been speaking to me several months ago, and I didn't really want to go there today, to be honest. I think my power went down. I think my neighbor cut the tree and it landed on my line, because if I'd have had my computer, I would have found a different message for today. And my computer went down. 
So I couldn't even do it after later, even after I came out here. It just didn't work. God has something that he wants to say to us today. And if we look at the church at Ephesus, Ephesus, first church out of the seven churches, and that's where we're at this morning. What the Lord is saying is he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To him that overcomes what? Him that overcomes sin, him that overcomes life, him that overcomes... I think we can, we could probably put a lot of things in there, but the, the thing that he notices about the church what's missing in the church of Ephesus is they have lost their first love if you overcome this if you overcome this place that you have fallen from if you get back up and you get back and you do your first works over if you bring the love that I initially gave you back into your life you're going to be an overcomer if you don't you're going to walk around in defeat The Lord was speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he said, I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. (laughs) There's an example of this. Husband and wife get married. First year, the, the wife catches a cold and she's coughing. And he says, honey, are you okay? Let me go get you some cough syrup. Let me get you a drink of water. Let me do something. I love you so much. I can't stand to see you coughing this way. Second year, she gets a cold again. And he says, honey, you need to take something for that cough. He said, that sounds really bad. I don't like to hear you coughing that way. Sounds really bad. Let's see if I can... Let, let me just let me pray for you. You go get you something and I'll be praying for you. Third year, she gets that cough again and he says, Honey, your cough is keeping me awake. Take something for that. Fourth year, he says, Honey, she's got a cold again. She's coughing. He says, Honey, I love you. But I can't stand this. You're going to have to go to another room. Me or you want. You're going to have to go to a different bedroom. Fifth year, she gets a cough again. And he says, I am tired of this. You're coughing, spitting germs all over me. Would you get over this already? He had allowed his love to grow cold. You think that's crazy. That's a crazy analogy. But I want you to understand, we do that with the Lord. We say, Lord, I love you. I'll do anything for you. My heart is yours. We get saved and we're so full of joy. We love our brother. We love our sister. God says, forgive that person that that hurt you. And you say, yes, Lord, I love you enough that I can forgive that person. And we go on a little ways and something else happens. And we say, well, they shouldn't have ever done that to me. And the Lord says, forgive that person. You say, God, I can't forgive them. You forgive them if you want to. But I can't. They have hurt me so bad. Let's turn this around a little bit. We come into the body of Christ. We get saved. We give our heart to the Lord. And we love Him so much that we're willing to, we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to go to church. 
Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Saturday night, whenever the doors are open. We'll push the plate back. If there's a fast, we'll pray for our brothers and sisters. We're ready to bear their burdens. We go through all these things. But after we've walked for a little while with the Lord, sometimes we get a little bit cold and we say, I don't see any results anyway. It's not worth it. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to be a part of this fast because you know what? They're fasting without me. They'll still fast if I don't. I'm telling you that we get cold on the Lord. Our love for the Lord begins to wane. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in the same place that Ephesus found itself. And Jesus said, I know that you have good deeds. I know about your toil. I know about your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate evil men. You can't stand that sinful stuff that's being celebrated. You've put to test those that call themselves apostles and you found that they were false. Some that were false. And you have had perseverance and you've endured hardships for my name's sake. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. If we've left our first love, that means we have found a second love or a third love. If we've left our first love, that means that something has taken the place of our first love for God. Come on, I'm just being really honest with you here. I want to share a couple scriptures with you. and I, You don't have to turn there, but let me just give you a few. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and the second commandment is likened unto this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these let me give you another one how's your love measure up to that John chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 the new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you even as Jesus has loved us that you love one another by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you you have love one for another let's read another one or two 1 Corinthians chapter 13 you know this one this tells us what love looks like if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love I'm become as a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal a sounding gong or a tinkling cymbal just a noise just a noise if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and have all knowledge and I have all faith to remove mountains but do not have love I am nothing I could go on there and read down through verse 8 but I want you to notice what that says if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and I have all knowledge and if I have faith to remove mountains but if I do not have love I am nothing and Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus I see all these good things about you but you have lost your first love if we consider these scriptures together he's saying all these good things that you're doing are in vain vain because your love is directed elsewhere 
what kind of relationship would Tracy and I have if I allowed other things to be more precious to me than her? Let me make it more pointed. Let me bring this to where you'll understand it better. What kind of relationship would Tracy and I have if I allowed other women to be more precious to me than her? It's not wrong for me to have women who I believe are sisters and friends. That's not wrong at all. But if they become more important to me than Tracy, there's a problem. And Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus, I have something against you because you've left your first love. When we've left our first love, we love something. What is it that we love? What is it that we're going after? Church, I want you to consider this for just a minute. What is it that we love more than Jesus? Because I believe that God would say to the body of Christ today, and perhaps even in abundant life, I I, I don't know if that fits us, and I pray it doesn't, but I do believe that we are not to the place that we need to be in love. What is it that we love more than Jesus Christ? What is it that has taken the first place of love in our lives and if Jesus is not at the pinnacle we are off track it doesn't matter what you've done to serve it doesn't matter who you are and what you've stood for and how much persecution you've gone through in his namesake that doesn't matter it's just a noise without the love of Jesus Christ in our lives if the world can't see it we're failing if my brother doesn't know that I love them If my sister doesn't know that I love them, I'm failing. Okay, it's got real serious here now. That's okay. We need a checkup. God was speaking to the church of Ephesus and I have this against you. You've left your first love. And I want to ask you today, have you left your first love? Is he first? Is he the priority or something else? God has to be first. My family comes second. My business or my ministry, it comes third. You say, well, no, you're a pastor. Your ministry comes first. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And if you think that, you're expecting the wrong thing out of me, and you'll be disappointed, and you'll leave here shortly. My first responsibility is my relationship with God. My second responsibility is to the people God has put in my household. You say, well, you, you, you seem like that's mixed up a little bit. I think it should be. It doesn't matter what you think. It really doesn't. I love you, but it doesn't matter. Because the Bible says that if I, as a bishop, do not have my house in order, I'm not fit to minister to you. And the Word also tells me that if I close up my compassion toward those of my own household, then I don't have the love of God in my heart. And I'm paraphrasing that. If I... Don't keep God first. 
And not just so that I can preach. Not just my Bible study so I can come up here and preach to you. But if I don't keep God first, my heart will grow hardened and I will get cold. But if I will overcome this secondary, third, all these different things that are trying to take the place of God and put Him back on His rightful place, then the life of Jesus Christ will flow through me. Not only will it flow through eternity, but I'll have abundant life like it talks about in John 10, 10. And I want everything that God has and I don't want second best so I can't go after a secondary love I have to go after him he's my first love he has to be on the on the throne of my heart he has to be at the pinnacle I love my girls I love my wife but they don't get the throne of my heart he has to have it as a church we love to serve in the community Serving is what they were doing, but they left their first love. Serving doesn't get the, the place of priority. The Alpha gets the place of priority. The Alpha and the Omega. They hated the, they hated the ways of the Nicolaitans. They hated the doctrine. They had good doctrine here. The Nicolaitans, there's a lot of things you can bring out. I'm not going into detail. We don't have time. But I want you to understand the Nicolaitans, even the word breaks it down and it tells you what it, what it means to some extent. They lifted leadership and they oppressed the people. Jesus himself said, this is not the way it will be in the kingdom of God. And I want you to understand that I am nothing more than you. I I have been called to a place where I will have a greater responsibility. I stand before him as pastor. And if I am not faithful to the call, I will receive a stricter punishment. Or if I am faithful, I'll receive a reward. But I'm not perfect. I'm not your intermediary. You have access to God for yourself through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of other things I could bring out here. But the point is, God is speaking to His church in Ephesus. And He's saying, I have something against you. You're a good church. But I have something against you because you've left your first love. Let me tell you what this church looked like. It was a church who looked holy. It was a church who did community service. (laughs) It was a church that when people came in, they saw that what was going on there was different than the world. A church a lot like us. They had left their first love. And when you leave your first love, it ceases to be relationship and it becomes religion. And I don't know, I don't know how many of us are in that place. But if we are, the Word of God tells us the remedy. Repent and do your first works over. He who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's word please go to AbundantLifeTabernacle.com or subscribe on iTunes